galaxy far, far away, a brother and sister search for their missing parents. How are we going to find them? We will. Don't worry. And fate leads them to the magical Ewoks. We help you. Now, a great adventure begins. Chapter one. Welcome everybody. We're back again with uh, Straight to Video, your number one pipe and hot pipeline for uh, straight to living room content. Um, this week we are talking about Caravan of Courage, which is a little bit of a um, extension for us. You know, we, we've we've covered movies from the aughts, uh, movies from the nineties, and now we're reaching all the way back to nineteen eighty four. Um, so this. Made for TV movie Caravan of Courage was released on November 25th, 1984. So that would be the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Um, so everybody was watching this at home, you know, with the fam. Belly's full of, belly's full of turkey. And um, this is hot off the heels of Return of the Jedi from 1983, in which the Ewoks were introduced, I believe. Um, I'm not going to get too far into Star Wars timelines and mythology because I'm out of my element there. But um, this was a really significant straight-to-video release. Uh, This was the second biggest movie of the year for um, ABC. It was their ABC Sunday night movie on November 25th. Apparently, 65 million people watched this which I can only assume is a product of uh, cable being like four channels in 1984. <laughs> um, but it was a high watermark. It was a milestone. And it had lots of Ewoks in it. <laughs> One might um, say too many Ewoks. <laughs> One, I, I think to each his own in terms of Ewok quantity, but right, we, we should get introductions out of the way. Um, I'm, I'm Tanner, and I'm here, as always, with Dave McMichael and Jenny Kay, and I'm also here with Zach Traeger, our guest programmer and guest host for the week. Oh, wow. I'm credited as the programmer of Caravan of Courage. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. the reason we watched this movie. Oh, wow. Cool. I, That's me, Zach yeah. Trigger, suggester of Caravan of Courage. <laughs> Had it on VHS as a as a child, but a dubbed version. Uh, like a my mom's boyfriend at the time, Jerry Horton. Shout out for program like the true programmer here. Uh, <laughs> had dubbed this and the sequel, and I've watched this. I hadn't watched it in a very long time, uh, but at one point in my life, probably the age of six, seven, I watched this movie a substantial amount of times. Wow. Wow. Do you still have that tape? It probably is at my mom's house. And it would be something I texted my mom about, like, Mom, it's really important you find this specific <laughs> thing in our basement. What do you mean by dubbed? Like, they dubbed? It was like a brown, you know, uh, just like random video cassette case. And it had scotch tape printed out the cover. Care of, I think it was called Ewok Adventure, actually, the one he had 
got. He maybe recorded it off of the television before it had commercial release where they changed the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was taped on the cover. And it was just like a, you know, standard VHS that you would record stuff off the TV with. Oh, for a second, I thought you meant like everything that the Ewok said was dubbed over with someone in English. no. I don't know if this is too much of a sidetrack right out the get-go, but I did notice on Disney Plus they don't give you subtitles for the Ewoks. They they pick a few words, but so much they're deferring to Ewokies, which I felt was a great disappointment in the land of subtitles. <laughs> Wait, so on your original version, there were subtitles for everything the Ewoks said? <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> I really want to know. No, what no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, same. Same. Well, uh, I would say that most of the time they're just saying their own names. <laughs> like Pokemon. Yes. It's exactly <laughs> like Pokemon. <laughs> like, there's, I don't know, there's a scene where Chogatron, who's my favorite, is just walking around singing his own name over and over. <laughs> oh my awesome. god, I love, I really love all these Ewoks names in that that Tanner, you just said it so casually. You said, I like the scene where Chokatron is doing something. And, oh my God, that name, <laughs> that name, that name. Uh, is, all right, is the wizard's name Hank? Is the Ewok wizard's name Hank? It's, yeah, I surely think, cannot I thought be. it was it's close to. <laughs> Conk? I wrote it down Conk. as Conk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, there's no subtitle. Like, I have no idea. Conk feels more right than Hank. <laughs> I did listen to it twice and was like, oh, I will accept that that Ewok wizard's name is Hank. Keep on going. I like, was Hank the boy's the wizard, name yeah. Jeremit? Oh, wow. Jeremit. Jer. Oh, yeah. Who is that? The child with the big lips. They definitely don't have um, lip balm in the Ewok no. village. Those are some crusty freaking Ewoks. <laughs> I, oh my God. I know we've got so much to talk about, but I have to say right at the top that I thought one of the most disturbing parts of the Ewoks is that they're, so they're, they're of course um, people dressed up in Ewok costumes but the costume bit doesn't extend to the mouth and the mouths stay closed uh, no matter what the Ewoks are doing. If they're like putting food kind of towards their mouth or if they're talking <laughs> or if they are, you know, yelping or running around, their mouths stay closed um, with these big buck teeth. But every once in a while, the human tongue from yes. the person inside the costume yeah. <laughs> will will poke out between the teeth and kind of flicker around wetly. (laughs) And it was awful. (laughs) The eyes never move either, which, which also disturbs me. It's like something you don't notice about Ewoks in Return of the Jedi because they're, you know, rarely on screen for more than like 10 seconds at a time. But when they're like the whole movie... All that stuff gets real uncanny real quick. Oh Were man, these I the kept same thinking... Ewoks because these ones look like demon pigs to me, and I just don't remember <laughs> them looking this way in Return of the Jedi. They look I real budget. Like I... they, their costumes are even filled out. 
Like you could see their legs. It's all about <laughs> prolonged exposure. Like you just yeah. you just don't see very much of them in Return of the Jedi. Like they're just like relief. But when they're the main characters, you just recognize how creepy and weird they are. Yeah, there are no sustained tight shot like long close-ups on the face of an Ewok in Return of the Jedi. And boy, it makes all the difference. <laughs> Uh, just to be like a bit of an Ewok defender here, I feel like the Ewoks are truly the best actors in this movie, even with dead eyes. And, uh, you know, I, they've got some uh, things they're working with, and I feel like they do a really great job as, as actors. No doubt, no doubt. Warwick Davis, 15 years old, as an Ewok. He was 15? Aw. Yeah, his physicality inside of that... Just, like, bumbling costume is really remarkable. I mean, he, like, I feel like I know Wicket better than any other character after watching this movie. Agreed. Have you all seen Return of the Ewok? <laughs> is that what it's called? Is that the next, the second one? <laughs> no, no, that's, um, so, um, during the making of Return of the Jedi, um, George Lucas and co. I don't know if it was actually George Lucas gave Warwick a like video camera and recording technology. And he made like a short, like 15 minute, like mockumentary about his um, casting and rise to fame in the role of an Ewok. No, oh, I'm going to watch that. Interesting. Yeah. You watch it. It's great. It's hilarious. There's Eric not Walker a high quality also... version available, but it's, um, you can just tell that he's just like such a, a brilliant talent and it's really fun to watch in, in this documentary. Is there a, a big bit of him saying Welk Welk's grape juice and talking about grape juice, drinking grape juice? There is not. <laughs> okay. Fact. So there are two Ewok documentaries. <laughs> One, uh, Eric Walker made because George Lucas also gave Eric Walker and Warwick Davis is credited on this, like as yet, Here's why I think um, Eric. I I think Eric Walker truly had a great experience as Mace in this movie, and if you do a little internet digging, Eric Walker also has a music career, um, and has scored the teaser to a 12-minute like documentary that I don't think has been made yet. But uh, similar to <laughs> going really down deep the nerd hole here, uh, how Mike. Michael Dorn and has like really advocated for the long-term career of Worf. Uh, Eric Davis really wants to see a full-length documentary on the making of Caravan of Courage on the Blu-ray edition, as yet unreleased, of Caravan of Courage. So I think it's still something he's strongly advocating for and something that exists on his YouTube channel. Shout out Eric Walker has a, uh, you know, a speculative documentary. I would contribute to that Kickstarter. Definitely. Same. <laughs> I would too. This movie is... Same. Um, I mean, historically important, like as, a, as an artifact of pop culture and is also just fucking fascinating as somebody who likes art and movies and um, practical effects and like so many different things. I, I would love to see that. Did I read correctly that David Fincher did the like Matt photography for this movie wow. like the David Fincher 
I haven't heard that, but I wouldn't be surprised. There's a lot of like interesting people working on this movie. Like um, Joe Johnson did the production design who, um, you know, his, his first role as director was on uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I believe. And he also directed Jumanji and like a bunch of other like really fun shit. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of talented, interested people in the room. Speaking of those, um, of the matte like paintings and photography, I, that was one of the, I think that was the effect in the movie that I was the most taken with. And I took a bunch of screenshots of, mm-hmm. um, like there's one where they're going up into the cave of the, the Gorax is the monster, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. When they're going up in the cave of the Gorax and there's this long tunnel, it looks like a, like a, I don't know, like a Rembrandt paints Star Wars. Um, but the uh, they used a technique called latent image map painting, which was pioneered for um, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, and this technique is, um, it says during live action photography, a section of the camera lens is blocked off and remains unexposed. Um, and then the film is rewound, the blocked areas are reversed and a painting is crafted to occupy the space um, that was blocked off in the reverse of the shot. But boy, they really used that to some stunning effect in this movie. Some of the backgrounds were just beautiful, incredible. I also really loved how they did the fairy dancing is like yeah. beautiful, I would say. It reminded well, you me- didn't think it was terrifying? No, an actor. I mean, they're a little scary. I, I love the sound terrifying. effect for the. <laughs> I, that that just might be a personal thing. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, of all the creatures. Yeah. What yes. The yeah. Like Tanner. the fact that it just made the same face over and over again. Mm. Um. The loops were just, spooky. Just. It, it really reminded me, me of, um, y'all know that animator something Plimpton? I think maybe George Plimpton. He's done a couple of features, but the reason I know him is because he did um, an animation that came on the Windows 95 disc. Um, when you opened up this, when you opened up your Windows 95 disc, so this is when I was, I don't know, like seven or eight, my parents got a computer for the first time. There was a handful of videos on the disc. Um, one of them was uh, uh, the the music video for Buddy Holly. Um, that uh, oh my Weezer? god, why why am I blanking on this thing? It's yeah, Weezer. Weezer. <laughs> the, the the music video for Weezer's Buddy Holly was on this disc, and there's a couple of animations, and then there was this Plimpton animation about this man that's like walking across a mountain and he like grows wings and he like flaps away and he turns into the windows logo. Um, but this, the animation of that fairy reminds me of his animation so much, but man, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) George Plimpton was a a famous sports writer. Um, so it's certainly not that. (laughs) I feel like this is something that you may have dreamed. (laughs) I don't remember my computer coming with a Weezer music video. Like, how did they get that gig? (laughs) That seems like how, you know, when you two put their whole album on, everyone's like, iPod. (laughs) 
Oh my which, god, it's just like that. Now, still, I turn my car on and it plays. I don't know how to get it off, but I it plays every day I hear it. <laughs> Automatically. It remind, the fairy reminded me of, we talked about recently. Jenny, it's of, okay that U2 is your favorite band. I'm, like, <laughs> no one is judging you. They're so philanthropic. Um, uh, I was thinking of you know the mary martin peter pan we talked about the like live action one zach did you ever watch that Ooh, as a kid i love that one it's so good but it's so yeah. weird and the tinkerbell in that was like the same sort of style mm-hmm. um, i don't necessarily recommend zach watching that as an adult because there's probably a lot of weird racist stuff in it i don't know it was just kind of problematic but as a kid the indians do you remember oh Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it gets a little sketch, but it was a good time. It's hard to remember all the racist stuff because there's right. so much of it. <laughs> uh, speaking of of racist undertones, yes, are is <laughs> is this like essentially a like a colonizer theme? As the white folks come in, they crash land, but they take all their medicine. <laughs> they are like cared for by the Ewoks, and then. When, I think I cared more than almost every week on screen when an Ewok dies. And it's just like, whatever. Well, uh, we got our parents back. Mace tried to care. He just didn't have the acting ability to really show us <laughs> that he cared. Oh, man, I don't he... know. I'm with Zach on this. Like, <laughs> Mace just immediately shows up and he's like, medicine. We need medicine. <laughs> and I just, is, just like starts yelling at everybody immediately. Yeah, and, and he's he does like that putting throws down away the gifts that he's given. Stupid I rock. Like... Throws away the Ewok rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some he's real angry. gross like he's avatar so shit going on here. Angry and demeaning and like and uh Sindel is like, I wanna stay here. They're, they're cool. They're like helping us. And he's like, No, they're animals. We don't want to hang out with these little bears. Or he calls them like brushes. Hairbrushes, exactly. Dude, you better check yourself. They fucking are taking care of you right now. Yes. I know. And then, of course, the dad at the end is like, I'm so proud of you. It's like, this kid did absolutely nothing. Your child would have done anything. He was a burden the entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, they totally were colonizers. And that was such a beautiful, pristine Mm -hmm. place with wild ferrets. And you know, now it's like pipelines. Oh, oh I mean, the we have to talk about the Ewoks just have ferrets. That's like their thing. <laughs> At what point in what meeting was somebody like, yeah, Ewoks definitely have ferrets. Ferret. And <laughs> ferrets, ferrets were, and horses. And like yeah, there was yeah. there was also chickens. Those there was chickens also rabbits. There was an owl. I read somewhere that those aren't chickens. What are They're they? like very specific to the Star Wars universe, these like alt chickens that have only been shown. This is some deep. I went deep on the oh IMDb God. before no. talking here. What? <laughs> They're alt chickens? Is that what you yeah. said? <laughs> yep. <laughs> like bred specifically for this film? Yeah, they're like, no, they're Ewok universe specific chick. The Ewoks don't refer to them as chickens, nor are they like Earth chickens. They're a. You know, I'm. I think this is like deep in a Star Wars encyclopedia somewhere, and somebody's dropping it in the IMDb. But I did notice that, like, oh, ferrets, yes, llamas, yes, horses, yes. Those aren't chickens. Were there animals okay, so the... in any of the other Star Wars movies? 
like earth animals. Like earth animals. Like a, like a womp rat. A womp rat. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that? Uh, it's a like a big womp rat. <laughs> oh, it's a big one. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't think so, but I I kind of like that about this movie. Um, I don't know. It helped create a sense of place and like a a sort of like lived in sort of thing. Mm. Um, they just used all their budget on making the Gorax and then the last bit of it on the spider, and then they just had to like <laughs> call a petting zoo and throw all the creatures. Oh man, they were running out of money when they got to that spider. Oh god, you uh, could see the strings. It was in the movie so much. <laughs> Close up. I I can see the hot glue gun mess. Like, just... I think whoever created the spider had never seen a spider. <laughs> but had, is it a true testament to spiders that it was still creepy, even though it looked nothing like an actual spider? Oh yeah. Uh, what I appreciate about. Well, I think every other monster besides the Gorex is the MO10. And I don't know if this is like a George Lucas or light and sound specific thing, but they tend to put Vaseline on every, like, I don't know if it's Vaseline or not, but all the monsters tend to be like very moist all the time, which gives, even if they like aren't actually moving, any anything that looks like that and is moist and coming at me, no thanks. <laughs> They're so goopy. I, I was noting that as well. The child, oh is, Sindel was very goopy as well. <laughs> I know it was an out of place scene that she's so cute and like so they definitely were like we need Drew Barrymore and then that didn't happen for them but that one scene they make her they lathered up the Vaseline as well I feel like yeah I was like wipe your, she's wipe sick. your face <laughs> it's just rough yeah <laughs> I also the, uh... can someone tell me what she, I don't understand what she was sick from was that ever explained Mm. It seemed like they were hungry because they hadn't eaten in like three days, but then they got medicine and it was fine. I don't know. I don't think that ever got explained. It just was something to add a little. Yeah, drama. she was. She was just hangry. She was hangry. Yeah, she just passed out. I'm like, I can't. I'm so hungry. <laughs> Chapter two. Any questions? What do y'all think about? Something that immediately jumped out to me about this movie was the narration. Are there any other Star yeah. Wars properties with narrations like this? I can't think of any. I, I think they did this because people were like, we don't know what the Ewoks are talking about. And so they got the Rudolph guy, which made me feel like I was watching a Christmas mm-hmm. movie this whole time <laughs> with his narration. Yeah. Yet I still was confused. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he was explaining (laughs) it's such an interesting piece of media in that I think you're totally right that they did test screenings and people were like what you just have scenes of Ewoks talking for the first 20 minutes of this film and then they have Burl Ives come in and just over explain every point of exposition but it leaves it at such an interesting place of like over explaining everything and still not knowing what's actually happening. Yeah. Like who who are these people? <laughs> who <laughs> where did they come from? Who are they? Cause the kid, it feels like they tried to make him look like a mini Luke Skywalker. 
he is that's correct definitely a mini luke yes absolutely same haircut same like whiny just like everything bad is happening to me like sort of disposition yeah so okay in in thinking about who these people are um i was reading that uh this movie got like retroactively it was placed on the timeline between empire strikes back and return of the jedi so very correct very very brief like star wars timeline thing um the second death star uh the first death star is blowed up in episode four new hope um episode five they're all kind of doing other stuff um episode six it's revealed that they're building a new death star um so if this movie if this movie happens um in between episodes five and six on the moon of Endor, which is what the Death Star is orbiting, I kind of think it makes sense that this family is like, uh, like construction workers on the Death Star, maybe. And they have like spun out of orbit and have like crashed on this planet. In which case, (laughs) the whole time we're suckered into cheering on, uh, imperial troops which would be kind of a twist but their outfits were so soft i just don't know if i could wow i just don't know who else would like who else would be there who else would crash in their ship onto a moon of endor yeah when the empire is building a death star around that moon I just, I just pictured him as this family. It's like their version of an RV, and they're just kind of roaming around <laughs> the universe. They just so maybe they're just in the so wrong place at the wrong time, and they got shot down. And they the just parents are there. so clueless. I can't imagine them performing any important task. <laughs> they definitely have in the escape scene. They have the rope to escape inside of their cage, which also has bars big enough that they can just get out. So it seems like this whole time they've been waiting for a group of Ewoks to come in and be like, just climb down. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess they probably aren't built on anything. They're, they're no engineers. <laughs> they're no escape artists. They're no rope users. So Zach, you, you watched this movie as a kid. Um, did either Tanner, did you or David know about this before this week? I've heard about it, but I've never seen it before. Um, I had seen this movie at Hastings where we could go and get, like we would rent a movie for Friday night to watch as a family and they'd give you a free kids movie. Um, and I... I mean, I grew up on Star Wars. Like, I loved Star Wars so much. And I remember seeing this Ewok movie there at Hastings to rent. And I remember even at the time being like, man, I don't want to watch this. (laughs) Like, even for free, I was like, no, give give me anything else. Did you think that it was like, oh, this is like for kiddies? Like, younger than you? Probably. 
Yeah, I I think also. Okay, so I think one of my one of the questions that I want to ask to y'all also is, um, I mean, like remove remove the Star Wars name from this movie. Is this movie uh, like a sci-fi space opera movie or a fantasy movie? It's a fantasy movie. Yeah, fantasy. Yeah. I was just as David wants all everything to be Star a space Wars movies opera. are. Yeah, I, t- I definitely want to hear you explain why this movie is a sci-fi space opera. <laughs> all, sci- all Star Wars movies are fantasy movies. There's not a single Star Wars proper- property that is not a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, but, but this one... sci-fi. Is that a controversial opinion? No, they're not sci-fi. I would, I would agree that they're not, they're not science fiction in the sense that science fiction is like a tool that uses kind of the logical uh, evolution of technology to ask a question or tell a story, but they're certainly space opera. I mean, you fly around in space, you've got spaceships and lightsabers and like guns and- But space operas have nothing to do with sci-fi. Y'all working on a set of definitions that are just like, (laughs) are in outer space. <laughs> I never knew this is I would have said this was a sci-fi fantasy. I didn't realize you had to tell a story with technology for it to be I mean isn't a spaceship tech? No. <laughs> Not in Star Wars. Elon Musk would like disagree. what technology does it introduce? It doesn't introduce any like ideological changes. Mm. Um uh, the the cool I... magic staff yeah. yeah that's clearly a fantasy mm-hmm. yeah it's a, you just called it a magic staff okay calm down so like of course it's fantasy it's not it's what's a space fiction. opera yeah um space opera i don't know to me that's like star wars um just like uh you go to a bunch of different planets kind of um you know archetypal hero's journey um mm. in space I guess it's just like a fantasy on it, uh, like an outer space um, kind of scale and setting. I mean, I think that Star Wars originated the space opera. Yeah. Right. Space operas, large scale, and Star Crash fiction. from Star Crash cemented it. Is what I would say. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. Okay, but anyways, we're, we're probably to getting the, too far off topic. Yeah, know? back to the original Absolutely. question. I think, I think the young eight-year-old me was like, I don't want a fantasy Star Wars. Like, I want, I want space opera Star Wars, and therefore it was bypassed. Like, this was not large scale enough for you. You didn't want this little micro story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You didn't think that the Ewoks fighting each other was enough action. <laughs> the Ewoks fighting scene. oh man the Ewoks fighting the monsters in this movie was just like like a child playing with action figures <laughs> it was it was so funny to watch I like when that one was stabbing the spider repeatedly that was a really good scene <laughs> I am not sure I've seen to this just movie. take us like out oh you've never seen this one I kept asking myself there were so many scenes like the Gorax being 
circled by the um, fairy. And there were a few scenes where I was like, this feels like it's tapping into some core memory that I have like hidden deep away. But it could just be reminding me of something else. I, I'm not sure I've seen this movie before. It was didn't play on TV, right? Like in the 90s. What do you mean? It was made... Oh, unknown about the syndication rights to Caravan of <laughs> I mean, I know it played in, in the 80s, but yeah. If it would have been... Yeah, someone look up the well, syndication. No, well, that's the thing, is that it was like an ABC original like Family Night movie. You know, like the way that um, mm. Cinderella was mm. with Brandy and Whoopi and um, Whitney that we talked about a few weeks ago um okay so it was like so maybe i saw it yeah so it wasn't like an hbo original movie that would like play over and over and over again it was it just played one time really and then they had a home video release mm. um but it had a, a three million dollar budget which is you know roughly like eight million dollars now which is pretty substantial and puts it like in the ballpark of cinderella um and it paid off. I mean, a shit ton of people watched it. Um, but it puts it in a weird category of media that not a lot of pieces of media are in. I thought you were going to ask David if the Star Wars name wasn't attached to this, would it have gone anywhere? Would people have cared? Is it a good movie? It, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's a no. <laughs> that's, that's a, that is a good question. Yeah, I think it's a no. No. If wait, is the question if the name Star Wars wasn't attached to this movie, is it a good piece of cinema? Well, I think regardless of whether the Star Wars name is attached, it's arguable whether this is a good <laughs> film. But I guess would people Agreed. would people have cherished it as a kid? Like, would you have been into it? Um, would have it, you know? I don't know. I I, 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 I don't. I, yeah. So I wasn't a Star Wars kid necessarily. Like I had seen them. I think for me, and I don't, I'm not trying to speak for all kids, but my personal experience was like, oh, there's cute thing, like these cute creatures on screen that like I would love to be friends with. And they're just talking their own language. They live in trees. I don't know. There's kind of scary monsters once in a while. My, my, um, my bar wasn't that high. Seemed good. Seemed good enough as a, as a seven year old. <laughs> When was the last time you had you seen it as a kid and then not again until now? Yeah, that's right. Wow, that must have been weird. It's not a good film. No, it's is the like it's definitive very, Star Wars or not? It's boring. Like it's kind of it's not fully boring. I mean, I was like, wow, what's gonna happen next? But it just feels so <laughs> so slow. Like <laughs> nothing really ever happened. No. So, it's like a Mad Max, like the most boring Mad Max. They just are going somewhere the whole time. <laughs> and and the thing is also that George Lucas um, executive produced this movie. So he, so the story was there was the um, the Star Wars Christmas special, which was the previous TV outing for Star Wars, which premiered which happened in seventy eight. In 78. Oh, yeah. so in between episodes four and five. Um, the Christmas special being a much maligned uh, piece of media um, that George Lucas was not that involved in. And so he really wanted to come back in and kind of have creative control over this Ewoks movie. 
Um, so he executive produced it. He uh, <laughs> apparently like composed the story for this movie with the nanny of his children, um, which cool. tracks. Uh, uh, but one thing that does not carry through into this movie, which I, I mean, say what you will about George Lucas, but he always has a like a large story in mind um there's always like a huge overarching narrative that you kind of like enter into for many points by many characters um with you know I, I like the hero's journey being i think kind of his um like go-to archetype um but this movie has it's just it's like a series of of mostly disconnected mishaps. I mean, I think the Mad Max, the boring Mad Max is such a good <laughs> way to frame this. Like they're, they are, they are going somewhere over the course of the movie, but nothing builds. It's just like, um, wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to bring in another character, I, I kept thinking that Mace was just like, he's just like Pippin, like stumbling through the caves, knocking skeletons into holes like summoning the orcs he, mm -hmm. he just he like sticks his arm in a tree and gets caught by a monster he gets sucked into it why does he wing. try to grab the like cute bird <laughs> <laughs> like that's such a weird decision to be like i'm gonna grab this yeah. cute little creature what is I he doing was the Colonizer. bird like the the snake's <laughs> yeah. tongue totally yeah yeah it, was yeah, like it wasn't a... real so the that tree snake has a fake bird tongue and it fooled Mace. The Ewoks were like, mm, "That's pretty cool." I don't know, but <laughs> Mace right at it. <laughs> it seems like the. I mean, the the rising and falling action of this movie is, um, all driven and engineered by Mace's bumblings, like everything that happens. Like he, I kind of think that he takes them away from the ship in the first place. And then he takes them away from the Ewoks, and the Ewoks have to go find them and save them from that wolf. He gets caught in the tree. Mm. He gets caught in the lake. Oh my god, the lake scene was pretty <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. I'm gonna. That was my favorite scene. I, I liked that one too, but again, it's Mace just like fucking up. He's and up. Uh, boy, the other thing that I kept thinking of in regards to Mace was that line from uh, Wizard People, dear reader, which is just his face is the worst <laughs> man he's just he is the movie does not do him any favors i mean i think all right shout out to george lucas and eric walker here but the movie and i don't know if this would be a better film or not the movie i truly want to see is cut brill ives narration Mace is no longer the lead character, but Wicket's the lead character. Just Ewoks all day. Like, give him a couple human lines or whatever, but just give me an hour and a half, two hours of Ewok language in, like, an abstract journey. I'll watch it all day. Sounds great. Or it could be more like a, like a Fern Gully situation, you know? Like, maybe yeah. their yep. land or territory is, like, at risk somehow. Maybe it's from those monsters. They're, like, coming in. But, yeah. The Ewoks Would the Robin star. Williams be in it if it was the Frankly situation? Uh, yeah, he could play an Ewok for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they just find him like... in the forest like the wizard. Like, this is the really tall Ewok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a hairy guy. Robin Williams would have made a great Chewbacca. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, but that's one of the things that I really like about Star Wars is like in the original trilogy, I don't remember the new ones, like who cares? Um, anybody who didn't speak English was, they were never like translated. They weren't like subbed, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. Like you, you should infer from context what's going on. I don't know. It's just like not spoon feeding you. I like that about Star Wars. Mm. Yeah, and let me revise my subtitle comment. It's not that they di- they didn't translate Ewok to English. It's that they didn't write the Ewokies. It says in Disney Plus, Ewokies. <laughs> Have new time they talk. I just want to know what the Ewokies is. Like, give them respect as a as a language. They've been you know doing their thing. Yeah. Gunda. I know that that one is tasty. <laughs> They're like, good. It's Gunda. And there was one that was chalk, which was maybe food or maybe yes. He did say kush a few times. (laughs) Oh, they did say kush. (laughs) He's like, I'm hungry, and they offer him kush. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would explain. How do y'all feel about the baby Ewok? My partner walked in while it was on the screen at like the only point and she was like, is that an old man Ewok? And I was like, no, it's a baby. But I see what she was thinking uh, in that like they could age. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As the Ewoks grow older, they get tiny and have to be held like that. Oh, at least that was true. That Ewok had a different like movement mechanic than all the other Ewoks. I think it was like a squeeze doll because when it was breathing, its whole face would like indent and then <laughs> extrude and indent and go back out. It was. I gross. hate that. That was sick. <laughs> 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 <was> fucking sick. <laughs> um, I have questions. A question about the magic involved here. Um, uh huh. I guess I don't know that much about. I mean, I've seen Star Wars, but I'm no expert. Like. I know there's Jedi's. Is there other magic happening in that universe? Like, are Ewoks Jedi's? No. Maybe they can use the Force, though. Like, he has that that staff that he's able to, like, hypnotize the Gorax guy, but also, like, laser shoot stuff, like, (laughs) stalagmites down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that is a very multi-purpose staff. He does. He hypnotizes the um, the spider, yeah, and then he like severs that stalactite and smashes the gorax in the head. Yeah. I think throughout Star Wars and like a critique of George Lucas second guessing himself is he's always trying to write out magic and like explain it with science. So mm-hmm. that's why you get this midi chlorians like weird super dense explanations of what jedi it's like supposed to be based in science so this this truly seems like kind of out of the canon to have ewoks just have like wizard staffs and be able to you know enchant things i don't think there's there's precedence honestly because they didn't do that i agree the movies right only jedis have um midichlorian usage in the movies Hmm. Yeah. No further um, questions. 
<laughs> I rest my case. I know that George Lucas did uh, direct the reshoots for this movie, um, uncredited. I wonder which scenes oh, those understand. were. Deeply love to be in the room when he watches the first cut, and he's like, "Oh, we're going back out there." Too much emotion. We're going back. <laughs> Okay, speaking of magic, so the wizard is named Hank. We just th- we decided. Um, can you can someone explain to me what happens in this scene? Hank gives Mace a stone and it turns into a lizard, and then Sindel picks it up and it turns into a mouse. What happened in that scene? <laughs> I have no idea what happened in that scene. Is that was that when they also gave uh, Sindel the? candle yep yeah that's just, that's like just wild ewok magic for ewok you baby ritual their traditions why is that just like <laughs> i feel like it was like a it was like a circle of protection before they like head out on their journey and you will have this mouse and i i forgot about this scene so in it <laughs> all right they give everybody gifts and uh, Mace gets a rock and then it turns into these other things and then later on they need the rock to open the door is that right they he breaks the rock and it turns into like an arrowhead that he puts in the sand and it points in which direction that oh, they need to that's go that's right and then like skitters across yeah. the sand under the rock which I love that scene that the, he drops the rock which he fucking threw away like a dummy and one of the and I guess Wicket picked no it up respect. for him because it was Wicket that picked it up. Yeah. Oh my God. Sweet I mean, Wicket. thank God for Wicket because Mace is just, oof. <laughs> but he um, Mace drops the rock and it breaks open and there's a very just clear obvious arrowhead and Mace picks it up and looks at it in his hand and he's like, "What is this?" <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Like use your deductive reasoning. Use your eyeballs. Why was why was it inside a rock? I feel like it's just one of those things where the rock. Okay, that doesn't matter. To you, what <laughs> you need in the moment. Oh, what you need, yeah. And then, okay, here's my real question. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I just was confused because Wicket does some sign language at him when he's like, "What do I?" And then he knows exactly to like place it in the sand, but nothing. That's not what the Ewok did. He wasn't like, put it down. He was like, bloop, bloop. like I don't know. I just, <laughs> just didn't make sense to me. My question is, do all tweens in the Star Wars universe have guns? Mm. Mm. Probably. That gun was too powerful for Mace to be wielding. He could not handle it. That kid does not need a gun. No. Mm-mm. No way. And he has that line that, I'm a- like, he's like, we got to get out of here. And she's like, why? And he's like, just, I got to get my gun back. And then, like, <laughs> be fine. It's like, what, dude? And also the, the implications, they they get brought to the, the Ewok village. And then they're, like, kind of... At some point, they try and sneak away. There's a weird power implication that they're not just hanging out with, like, four-foot-tall teddy bears. And they are vicious teddy bears. But also, like, it doesn't seem like they're that into 
kidnapping them, it it seems very well that they, at any point they could be like, all right, see y'all, we're we're leaving. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Don't Ewoks yeah. eat humans? Oh wow. Do they? Yeah. They did eat some stormtroopers uh, in their celebration after the Death Star blew up. So yeah. Oh. Yeah. But I don't think Mason Sindel knew that. Uh, the only information <laughs> the only information they had is that these Ewoks took them in, gave them food and medicine, and then Mace was like, Alright, we can't we can't stay here any longer. These fucking hairbrushes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad luck. Okay, you guys, we're getting on in time. Does anybody have a final question? I, I do. Well, I mean, I have one. So contextually, during the pandemic, I went through and watched all of Clone Wars, the animated series, all of Reb... I've watched like most pieces of Star Wars media, including prequels and and sequels, just as like, not because I, I still feel like slightly indifferent to Star Wars, but it was a thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Clone Wars, pretty good piece of media, probably George Lucas's like best through line storytelling. Throughout, uh, and I think this kind of gets to the sci-fi opera thing. And my question, in general, is that never does a character in any Star Wars piece of media I have seen see a thing like a giant, you know, forest beast or the Gorax or like a tree creature. Never does a character say, "What is that?" or like, <laughs> "What the hell is that thing?" There's no sense of wonder. I, and I'm curious if like That's George really Lucas is like, no. The, everybody understands the truth of the universe as is. Whereas in Star Trek, every episode, they're like, that's the whole premise of the show. They're like, what is that thing? And then they right. proceed to figure out what that thing is. Uh, I wonder if that's like a, if he has a notebook somewhere that that's a thing, or that's just like a George Lucas style that he's like, no, no, everybody knows about these things in this universe. Oh, I love that. Mm, that's so interesting. I mean, I think that that's a, that's a brilliant ob- observation, and it also points to the fact that this is fantasy mm. rather than sci-fi. And and in fantasy, I would say that like fantasy is a although there's tons of like weird creatures, it's a morality play between good and evil. And in the morality play between good and evil, you always know what's good and what's evil, so you always know what a thing is. Yeah, and you can right? be. You can be like, um, like shocked at the timing of something, like something can show up when you don't expect it to, or you can be afraid of like the implications of what you're facing, but still take in stride that it's like reasonable that this thing will, will be confronting you and not that it's like, you know, beyond the pale of, of something that might exist in your world. Were these characters questioning the monsters that they encountered? I don't remember now. They weren't in this one. Not really. They were just like, oh, that's a, oh, one of the quotes I wrote down. It looks like a monster or something real big. <laughs> Which yeah, assumes Mace that, like, is looking at the crystal ball, monsters. Right? Yeah. That's I think so. Crystal ball. It's like a, it's like a really, like, kind of like boho, like, rattan crystal ball. It's really, it's pretty cool. It's like a spinning, um, yeah, wicker top. Yeah. I had I had one more question. Um, I 
I mean, this is just something to speculate on, I guess, but um, I just, out of the entire Star Wars universe that was available to George Lucas when he was deciding to make this hour and a half long TV movie, like, why? I don't, I don't understand why the Ewoks? Like, why out of all of the characters, out of these hundreds of characters and planets and worlds and storylines that were already in existence at this point, I mean, there's the whole, like, extended universe and, uh, like, legends and all of these things, and he still chose the Ewoks. And it's it just, it seems, it seems so strange. I feel like... It's, so you think it's just... Yeah, I think kids really liked the Ewoks. Um, yeah. And so... And, and like they 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 rushed this production from what i remember reading i think because um the previous film was so successful and they could kind of shell out something quick for kids maybe that was their thought as far as, far as like something that would be made for tv maybe something that's more family friendly and the ewoks i would say are probably surface level the most like family friendly kind of like mm -hmm. population and they were just introduced but i'm not sure first yeah that makes sense i something that i have been reading about george lucas and um is that he and this makes sense but it, i think it flies in the face of like star wars fandom and kind of what these movies have come to mean over time um but george lucas maintains that star wars are are like movies for children um like Wu-Tang. The what? Like Wu-Tang. Uh, I guess Wu-Tang so. is for the children. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, come on. Wu-Tang is for the children. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess he's just... Uh, it's his Ewoks kid show. So... um. I've heard that Amanda, his daughter, was, like, the main reason why he wanted to make this movie is because, like, the Ewoks were her favorite. Mm -hmm. But also someone sued him in the 90s for $129 million, um, saying that um, they sent George Lucas in the 70s a script called Space Pets. Um, I would watch that. And that yeah. they created Ewoks via that script and George Lucas was like no I never read that um, <laughs> but George Lucas did defend himself by saying that the Ewoks were based off a family dog what did he settle or what did they get Ewok money I don't know I would definitely watch uh, similar to Jenny I would watch a movie called Space Pets any yes. day of the week. <laughs> would you watch a I movie guess... called Space Perms Space perm. Perms? Yeah. Uh, after space pets. Okay. I feel like. Yeah. I guess ferrets are space pets. Yeah. Oh, they are. Oh, that's true. Where Lawsuit settled. <laughs> <laughs> Did this win an Emmy? Wow, dropping both Ewok cannibalism facts and Emmy facts. <laughs> no, like I, I don't know what has up. ever won an Emmy. I feel like Emmys are just made up awards. 
I feel like watching this while watching this movie and that girl like getting sick sicker I felt myself entering a fever dream state that I may still be in <laughs> which is where these facts are coming from soundtrack pretty good uh set design like I don't know seems possible maybe I don't know what how the Emmys work for visual at effects all. um yeah. yeah I don't know I'd have to look it up <laughs> I, I like the idea that this movie that's like kind of it it did it was uh jury awarded emmys for outstanding special visual effects at the 37th primetime emmy awards you think that's cool. for the spider <laughs> i think be. it is explicitly not for the spider <laughs> <laughs> everything but the spider <laughs> it was it, it was in the non-spider effects category <laughs> <laughs> Chapter three. How could I have been in Chicago? <laughs> what line of dialogue in this movie is the most straight to streaming line of dialogue? Uh, I think we can do this section quickly, but I mean the like three or four gems of lines are quite good. Yeah, Tanner, you wrote Oh, I guess I think it's the one that you're about to say, Jenny, as well. I I don't yeah. remember this actually happening, but I, please, I'm not going to steal anybody's thunder. Let's hear it. Oh, okay. I just wrote, um, I think she eats giggles. She's a giggle eater. Uh, <laughs> That's also what I wrote. <laughs> I, I wrote that one down too. I made me want to, it made me want to die. <laughs> does, does, Mace, does Mace or Sindel deliver that line? It's, who do you think? Mace. Mace is the person <laughs> with... They both said Every it. single line. <laughs> Sid- Sindel was like, I think she eats giggles. And he was like, weirdly said, she's a giggle eater. <laughs> and just made it weird. As he always does. Oh, man. <laughs> poor, poor Mace. Someone made him they... say that, to be fair. All right. Sorry. Maybe this is back in the previous section, but it was a question I had. Then they proceed to kidnap the only fairy that doesn't go home, right? Is that what is the deal with them taking that fairy? It's definitely just straight up kidnapping. That cool. fairy does Question not answered. consent to come along. There's mm-hmm. no conversation about it. Don't they all yeah, morph just into one imperialist fairy? nonsense? Oh wow! So you're implying that they've kidnapped all of the fairies at once? It seemed like there were so many, and then they just were one. <laughs> oh, I think that's right. They do all coalesce into one fairy. So he he kidnaps the entire fairy race. Damn. And he like doesn't even say thank you. No. Everyone's no. risking similar his to life, the, their life for him. Yeah, yeah. Similar to the lumberjack Ewok as well. He just the what he asks of the fairy then is to like sacrifice its life to the Gorax. Which I guess it comes back, but still, big ask. Yeah. <laughs> Man, everyone's everyone's only like agency in this movie is saying yes or no, I will help you, Mace. It's damn. Just give them their own things to do. <laughs> Does anyone else have another line besides giggles? Um I mean, I had a, just another couple of lines for Mace, which, <laughs> I mean, 
It's not too fair on Mace because so much of the lines in this movie are just Ewokies, but um, uh, <laughs> there's one point where Mace, where they like walk into a new area and Mace just kind of looks up and around and he's like, this place is neat. <laughs> just, just, it could not be a more useless line of dialogue. <laughs> um, and then my other favorite line from him is, I think this is after, so Mace uh, foolishly escapes him and himself and Sindel from like the honestly loving care of the Ewoks and sends them back out into the dangerous night. Um, And he makes them a fire by like shooting a branch with his laser. And he, he's talking to Sindel kind of like, um, like, he's in confession or something he's like trying to absolve himself of his sins to his baby sister which is a weird dynamic but he says i wish i had been the best kid there ever oh yes i wish i had never done anything wrong i was like same bro (laughs) (laughs) and then he says at the end of that scene he says to sindel i will protect you i will be mom and dad Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. This isn't really a line of dialogue, but I liked his delivery when that Ewok died. It kind of reminded me of like in the Neil Breen movies when he's his friend like killed himself, and Neil Breen's like, I can't believe you committed suicide. I can't believe you did it. You're braver than this. I can't believe you committed suicide. Um,. That we energy, should really that see it. We should really see a, a Mace and Neil Breen crossover at some point. Oh, I think he would be Neil Breen's muse if Truly. they if they met. Yeah, I watched Runaway Bride last night. Wait, I... Tanner, me too. Tanner, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking about how um, Richard Gere looks like like hot Neil Breen. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Like, I think that Neil Breen models himself after Richard Gere. Damn. That was blue my mind. That's right. Okay, we can talk about that later. (laughs) There's nothing to do with... Far too much Richard Gere in that movie. Oh, I agree. Is there anything else I can do for you? Mm Mm-mm. That's all. Okay. Next category is straight to streaming. Which performer or filmic element delivers the most big picture slash movie star performance? I mean, Wicked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, clear winner. I wanna I wanna propose a a runner up um, based on the very on, on the like particularities of a Star Wars movie. Um, which is Sindel. Um, we, so there's, there's, there's a sequel to this movie, uh, that we've been chatting a bit about, uh, on the breaks here. Um, uh, we don't know exactly what happens in the sequel to this movie, except that Sindel's entire family is wiped out. Um, so Mace gone, mom and dad gone, Sindel is left. Um, so Sindel gets her own movie. She goes on an Ewok adventure. Um, and then in 
the uh, you know specific nature of the Star Wars universe where literally everyone and everything and every place has a gigantic story surrounding it, Sindel goes on to be this like pretty significant character in her own right. There's multiple books written about Sindel um, and Sindel, like the rest of Sindel's life. She shows up in a couple of other like video uh, pieces. Um, I would love for y'all to guess, uh, what do you think is Sindel's profession when she grows up? There is a real answer to this. Wow, in, you're blowing my mind. In the in the Star Wars universe. Is it universe. something sexist? Uh, no, it's not. Darth Vader. No, this is a... Out of anything you could imagine her to be, um, like, not not problematic in any way, um, what do you think that Sindel grows up to be? Stenographer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's not a stenographer. Like an Ewok. We didn't give me any clues. <laughs> we are talking in Star Wars, not the actress. Yeah, in the Star Wars universe, the character Sindel grows up. Um, I'll just tell you. She, are there multiple choices? What professions becomes, are there in Star Wars? <laughs> she becomes <laughs> an <laughs> investigative journalist on Coruscant. Huh. They, like, ha- they have newspapers? Her, yeah, that's her <laughs> career path. Jenny, didn't your roommate just burn a Coruscant? <laughs> <laughs> I can still smell it. Yeah, where's who lives on Coruscant? It's the big like city planet that's kind of at the middle of the universe. Mm. Mm. Lots of lots of dirt to be dished. I guess that's probably the only place in Star Wars that has investigative journalists. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought everyone knew everything. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I would like to give honorable mention in this category to the matte paintings. Mm. (laughs) I think they're really beautiful and they do a lot of work for the scene. They do, and like the I I've never seen this on the big screen, but I think that it would play even though it was a TV movie, it would play really well on the big screen. I like the matte paintings. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I also will give an on a, an honorable mention to or miscongeniality to um, <laughs> uh, Mace because I I oh, will wow. say his when he's drowning <laughs> and he has to like mime there being a clear sort of lid to the top of the lake that he can't break through. I believed him. Yeah. So I think that he could have had a career as some sort of aquatic actor if he was given the opportunity. And in that moment, he shined. I don't know if Eric Walker knows this or not, but if he ever happens to listen to this, the music he's making right now, I feel like is unintentionally extremely hip in the sense that like it all kind of sounds like midi... um, like it could be PC music adjacent in what Eric Walker is is dabbling in now, and I think he's trying mm. to make soundtrack things and using like film score elements. 
but mm. he should maybe move to like Philadelphia or Baltimore, start a career as a DJ. Ooh, like a, well, I guess he can't be an Ewok, but I feel like there's a future in his like experimental music Ewok adjacent career. I would love to be an Ewok DJ. <laughs> yeah, drop us an email and invite us to your show. I, I'll Eric Walker, if you're out there and you want to play a show as like your first ever Ewok adjacent DJ set, we'll host you here in Austin, Texas. <laughs> we'll find a way. That would be so fun. Ooh, and we could also, build this. Also, how is his name abbreviated as Ewok? Eric Walker. Wow. Oh, wow. Damn. You guys. Tanner, you just cracked the case wide open. Oh my god. Okay. Um let's he move has on to, to the someone next award. there's a contact form on his site, Tanner. You have to message him that. He needs to know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh I'm good. Um <laughs> I, next I reward. <laughs> guess who's coming to it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Guess who's coming to dinner? Which character or element are you bringing from this movie to Friendsgiving dinner? I think this is especially pertinent given that this movie um, premiered Thanksgiving weekend, 1984. Is there anything that you like? From <laughs> the this tree movie? houses were dope. If I could have Thanksgiving dinner in one of those <clears throat> tree houses. Ooh, yeah. That could be neat. The tree houses were great. If I could Airbnb one of those, yeah. oh boy. <laughs> Gentrifying I, um... the Ewok village. <laughs> yeah, we're just as bad as that. Oh, shit. <laughs> we are all mace. Uh, I, I was really into Mr. Chuckachuk's uh, Gimli and my axe energy. Can you say his name again? Chuckachuk. 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 Uh... He's, uh, yeah, he was giving me lots of Gimli. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty charming. I think it would make for an interesting dinner guest. He seemed like the most, like, happy-go-lucky person in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we mentioned before, he, like, walks around singing his own name. And I, <laughs> I like that energy. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Any, I would eat dinner, hang out with any, like... Ewok Thanksgiving in the village with Hank and the, you know, trucker truck seems like such a good time. Oh, yeah. That w- but Zach, would rowdy. you eat stormtroopers? <laughs> uh, do as the Romans do or whatever the, the saying is? I don't know. You know. Yeah. I don't know if they wow. truly... Well, let's just double down on this. They're, I think they're cooking a stormtrooper. I always thought that like that's just the punishment for storm. It was a punishment versus their intentions were to eat that stormtrooper. You wouldn't but say it's like fair. very generous. If you. Ewok's diet consists of stormtrooper. <laughs> I read that the actors who played the Ewoks all wore blue pajamas in their Ewoks. I also read that baby blue, which is like a cool move. For all the Ewoks to collaborate and be like, you know, we're going to wear that no one will ever see our own blue pajamas. <laughs> Which makes me think that, yeah, they'd be great to like party with. Comfortable. Mm-hmm. Just ready to get loose. I'm into it. I, I definitely wouldn't want 
the fairy to come. What was the fairy called? It started with an like an E. Oh, I don't remember. What about the ferret? Uh, well, so the fairy eats giggles, which I think is. Uh, I wouldn't know how to prepare that for a Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner. Um, I think that would be hard. It was like if your like vegan friend comes to Thanksgiving and you're like, I don't know how to make vegan food. Um, Vegans also eat giggles, I think. I'm not sure. Is that... Yeah. So let's move on to the next category, which is retail therapy. Uh, What is your one piece of dream merch from this movie? I would love to purchase that child's perm. Wow. (laughs) Sindel's perm? Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. Did we talk about how... Probably not, because I think only I was thinking this, but she... uh, she looks just like that woman from Liquid Sky, oh which God. came out which came out in eighty two, and I kind of think that someone saw that movie and was like, "Wow, that heroin adult alien is uh, a great fit for this Ewok movie." I thought yeah, she I mean, had the that flock the, of seagulls. That was the hair. fucking look. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. What? No flock of seagulls? Are you kidding? That was no. the opposite. Flock of Seagulls, Seagulls was like the big wave hair. <laughs> Not the ringlets. No, but in Liquid <laughs> in Liquid Sky, I thought she, I didn't think she had a perm. I thought she had Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got that she's got that silver jumpsuit. She's got that headband. Yeah, her whole look is great. Sindels. Citadel? Sindel. My caption said Citadel, <laughs> so I wasn't really hmm. sure. I kind of thought it was more of like a, and I'm making this up because it's not accurate. It was more of a like a Harpo Marx thing. I don't know about that. Wait, yeah, um, <laughs> judging by your silence, I think that that is <laughs> a false impression. <laughs> like her look is inspired by Harpo Marx. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll we'll move on from that impression that I had. So, like on a similar similar note, though, my piece of dream merch from this movie would be the Gorax's hair, which is <laughs> sick. Yep. The Gorax is basically like the Devendra Banhart. Oh my god Like cool sexy Like pirate hair I want it (laughs) I'm into it Oh my god I would love to see You know how they used to do those music videos Of movies where it was just like I guess like the one that Steven Tyler Did with Armageddon Where it's just like some scenes from the movie spliced with the singer like singing on a stage from the movie. Oh, I love those. Yeah. Uh, really... That was Don't Wanna Miss a Thing. Yeah. Um from Armageddon. Uh-huh. Um we really need one with awesome. Avenger Van Hart. 
spliced into this movie. That's um. Uh, Dude, that's, that reminds me of the Spider-Man. And this movie tie-in. Oh fuck. Mm-hmm. Are you are you talking about Nickelback Hero? We'll say this. Yes, because oh, shit. I had a crush on Tobey Maguire for some reason, and it was I would stay up on late because MTV <laughs> would air that music video just so I could see the kiss scene, the upside down kiss, because <laughs> they would play that oh, in the music good. video. Um, Wait, was that? Um, the Nickelback song? Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, those were good soundtracks. Like, there was, like, a Dashboard Confessional song, um, Vindicated, mm-hmm. that was really good as on the soundtrack. And I don't know if I should include this in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, my piece of dream merch was the, um, like, the beehive carriage on the horse. Uh, oh, shit. that was sick, yes. David. Yes. It looks so cozy. Oh, man, I <laughs> From afar, I it looks like bananas. <laughs> yeah, truly. Especially when that horse was like running rampant and they were trying to catch it. It's like, man, you get bounced around in that thing. It looked but like it a... looks so comfortable. I just like curl up in there with some straw. Uh, I have a great time. Have you seen that trend? Was of... the purpose of that thing just to be cozy? Like, what do you think was. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was the, like, like a safe agrarian zone. purpose of the horse hive. Just for them all to cuddle up and sleep. Mm. Yeah. Bunch of Ewoks okay. being cute together, just cuddling in the hive, the yeah. cozy hive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whispered, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's right. Like, it's. It worked. I loved it. I was into it. Uh, my suggestion for this is like pure capitalism driven Star Wars merch, just the Ewok rock, like a rebranding traditional rocks as Ewok rocks. And that you have to use your, you know, whatever uh, you need to get in touch with to change that rock to a lizard or a bird or a key. Uh, that's on you. But all, all we're selling is Ewok rocks over here. Dang. It could be like everyone's obsessed with those mystery box things now they could sell those mm-hmm. rocks collect them all it could be a shitty arrowhead or a lizard <laughs> i don't know collect what you're all. talking about what is a mystery box you know like they sell these uh little like orbs and you crack it open and there's like mini versions of bacon bits and like dove shampoo in it no <laughs> a bacon bits <laughs> no <laughs> I have some. I'll show you. After Are you talking about like a Kinder Egg? No, that's chocolate. You eat those, Tanner. <laughs> no, these are. Oh, is it like words. the thing at Walmart where it's like a? It's called Homies, and it's um. It's not Homies. Not homies. <laughs> it's not but yes, it's like that. But it's. It's better. like Homies, <laughs> but it's not Homies. Oh my god. I forgot about <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it just broke me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chapter four. Okay. <laughs> um, let's move on to the, the last part of the podcast called 23andMe, which is where we each recommend... Um, two films or like works of art 
or um, other products of our society that were either influenced by this movie or influenced this movie. Um, David, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I, I, I love a, uh, just like, like monsters and like physical effects and costumes and puppets and I, I don't know, kind of all the things that are used, you know, to varying degrees of effectiveness in this movie. But, um, one of my favorites, oh, and the other thing I really love is, um, just oh, like a whole world created on a soundstage, like a really fucking intricate, like fantasy setting, um, that is all, you, you know, that like part of the the artifice of the scene is that you know it's on a soundstage because it has to be, uh, but it heightens the kind of like theatrics of the scene. Um, I think this movie does that well in a lot of instances. And another of my favorite movies of that type is Legend um, with Tom Cruise and Tim Curry and uh, some unicorns and some other people. Um, but Legend, Legend is excellent. There's a great monster. Um, Tim Curry plays Satan, basically, and he's got these huge horns, and he's all painted red with yellow eyes. And um, just the, the kind of, like, fantastical horror elements and kind of the, like, the journey story beats are, are very similar. And um, Legend, oh, and Legend is uh, scored by Tangerine Dream, I believe. Oh, um, yes, it is. Yeah, so the music's yeah. great. Um, so definitely good. recommend that. Uh, my other one is, uh, I guess maybe the works of Ralph Bakshi at large. Um, uh, I initially was going in that direction because of his adaptation of The Hobbit and I believe The Fellowship of the Rings. Um, there's a lot of very uh, like Lord of the Rings uh, beats to this movie. I think the like the spider is very Shelob. Uh, she loves lair related. Um, I think the whole like caravan of courage is very akin to the fellowship, you know, gathering together to go take the ring to Mordor. Um, but Ralph actually, he's got that, he's got, um, his adaptations his like animated adaptations of those stories, but also he's got one called wizards, which, um, is more, is more related to this one in that it's, um, kind of like a fantasy with some like space opera trappings uh, it's a bunch of wizards but there's like um kind of cyberpunk and steampunk like tools and elements to it it's just it's a great mashup of styles um very very worth watching jenny who you got um I don't have anything really obscure, but I just found it interesting that the same year Neverending Story and Gremlins came out. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like they both also share similar energy to this movie, especially Neverending Story, which um, I read David Fincher also did the matte photography for, which I find interesting. Um, and wow. especially like the monsters in that and it being this like adventure film um kind of just feels like a higher budget or slightly more successful like concept of this 
Um, or like if the, there was a stronger storyline to the Ewok movie, it could have felt more like that. And then obviously Gremlins because they're like baby Ewoks. Um, but I also wrote down Teletubbies because I don't know if any of y'all have like rewatched <laughs> Teletubby content lately. Yeah, gotta put that on my list. <laughs> I mean, it's it's bonkers, but you know they've got their like made up language. Their body shapes are the same, and uh, and it's just like that's that feeling of this feels kind of like a natural world, but also a soundstage, and it's hard to tell when it is and when it isn't. Um, so those are those are the three that that came to mind. This. I would love to see a Teletubbies and Ewoks crossover. Oh my god. Oh, my that would be so cool. <laughs> I feel yeah, sad that it probably will cr- never exist. Deeply. <laughs> there's a lot of crossover between those movies. I mean, like, um, John Berg, who plays the Gorax. Someone played the you Gorax? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He had, like, two film roles ever. Um, He was also the creature consultant on Gremlins, which came out in 1984 as well. He was also the ghost shop advisor on Ghostbusters. Um, Did you say the ghost shop advisor? Yeah. Damn. That's a normal thing on movies. Oh, so it's not for ghosts? It is for ghosts, but it's like normal if there's a movie with ghosts. It just sounds like a great job. I would love to be a ghost shop advisor. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought you were going to draw the tel. I thought you were bringing it all the way back to Teletubbies and the Gorax. I, maybe you can do that? I don't have it in me. Man, we really need to hire him to be our ghost shop advisor for uh, our new series, Ghost Court. Yes, Zach, you should help us make Ghost Court. Um, Done. Cool. Yep, great. <laughs> Easiest pitch ever. Uh, Zach, who do you have for... Yep, so two pieces of cinema that I, I deeply appreciate. One of these I haven't seen in a long time, but I just, while we were talking, I looked up Warwick Davis's career, such a powerhouse of fantasy in, in like so many things. Uh, and the one I wrote down here is Willow, which mm. uh, as my father tells this story, and I guess I'm about to uh, put permanently on the record, Willow was the first movie I ever saw in the cinema as I must have, I was very young. I don't know what, what year did this come out? I was two, maybe three in the cinema. And as the story my father tells is that the whole movie I stood up and hold this, held the seat in front of me. And it wasn't until after when the credits rolled that he discovered I had urinated on the floor because I was so excited about not leaving Willow and just being so into it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so that's my Willow story. Love that. Oh, you were just like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is blowing my mind. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Continue to live uh, like big fantasy or sci-fi movies. Normalize wow. peeing in theaters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've curbed that habit a little bit, but um, <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah, 
And, and just like brief mention, Warwick Davis goes on to be in uh, a substantial amount of Harry Potter, almost all of the Star Wars yes. movies. I think not yes. necessarily just as Wicket, uh, all yes. of the Leprechaun movies. Uh, anything else? Of- Leprechaun 2? He's in Leprechaun 1, 2, 3, 4, Leprechaun in the Hood, and maybe I saw something else as well. Yeah, maybe there's some space involved. Two movies involving Get Santa and Text Santa that I'm pretty curious about. Um, but yeah. Is that going to be your next oh, and uh, binge? Is his filmography? Yeah, just, oh, wow. What an idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. That is a, a journey. It goes deep. That I would, I would hop on for that. Wow. Yeah, same. Um, yeah. Let me go back to my notes. Oh yeah. So Willa and I, I do want to rewatch that that movie. It has it has been a little while. Uh, and then my other uh, adjacent recommendation is a movie I deeply love and appreciate. And I put just this the original, but both I like as uh, Paddington One and Two. So if you like <gasps> cute, adorable creatures with like solid moral frameworks i think that ewoks have a paddington has an absolutely like a pretty strong moral compass and i i can't speak for the ewoks fully but they seem super chill um both both paddington and the ewoks i would hang out it's like all i really want to hang out with is paddington or the ewoks i'm waiting for tanner's reaction because he is such a Paddington super fan like I just remember when Paddington came out and I feel like every time I saw Tanner he was talking about Paddington there. <laughs> yeah I am I'm a Paddington stan um cool me too Zach I remember you and I once had a conversation about movies with bears that was like two hours long <laughs> wow <Where we> remembered <laughs> all the movies we could think of with bears in them <laughs> Cool. Which I didn't plan for, and it just happened. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I I I think that Paddington Two is flawless. Yeah, I, I really do. Such a great film. Uh, um, a side note: my friend turned me on to the Paddington Twitter account, which I don't know if you followed it or not, but it's very I don't. good. Uh, Paddington's yeah, I don't know about that. April Fool's tweet. Uh, Paddington's tweet on April Fool's was, "I don't like marmalade anymore." <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Wait, who is running the Paddington Twitter? Paddington. Let's Paddington. let's be real. But why is it? <laughs> is there going to be more Paddingtons? I think so. Why? Why is someone running a a Paddington Twitter? Well, Paddington has. It seems like Paddington has opposable thumbs and is fully capable of uh, using a smartphone. But also, it seems that there will be more Paddington films. Paddington no? three Paddington. confirmed officially nice. in the works. Really? Mm-hmm. Who do you who do you guys want for the bad guy in Paddington Three? Warwick Davis. Oh, Ooh, dang. yes, that would be delicious. Wow, that's great. That. Oh, but the director is not returning. Sign the deal. Because he's been attached to another new Willy Wonka movie, just called Wonka. Oh, Fuck that. We're done. Yeah, <laughs> Okay. Um, I guess it's my turn. Who do I have? Um, Okay, recommendations. One, The Night of the Hunter. Um, Whoa. If you... 
are like a hipster movie watcher person you've probably seen it um if you're not you should watch it anyways um it's really beautiful and really endearing and it's also similarly to this movie about um a small um boy and girl who are brother and sister who are trying to navigate a world in which they are separated from their parents and are encountering uh, forces of good and evil in a fantastical setting. Um, it's from the 60s, like mid-60s. Um, a lot of interesting fantastical, like quasi-fantastical elements, you know? Like uh, we were talking about, we don't know if this movie is fantasy or not. I would, I would put The Night of the Hunter um, on the same wave same wavelength it's great you should watch it it's a beautiful movie um, i watched i watched promising young woman the other night and in that movie her parents are watching night of the hunter whoa was, i haven't yeah. seen that yet that's crazy yeah i've never seen that i'm writing it down um i wanted to mention wizard of oz but i i feel like that could be like 23 and me for every movie we ever watch because it's mm-hmm. it's there um you know what's weird about the wizard of oz is like in the like 70s or 80s it was considered like a cult movie it wasn't like the paragon of old hollywood cinema or whatever it's kind of like become that it's interesting um so the next thing that i, I would say that this this movie is indebted to is mutual of omaha's wild kingdom which is the old um nature documentaries that used to air on abc oh right um and that's like if you listen to burl ives narration it's exactly like he's narrating a nature documentary which is really weird um but if you think about it, that's exactly what he's doing. And um, <laughs> those old documentaries are, they're fun. You know, it's like all shot on film. They're pretty cool looking. Um, it's a fun, like retro escape. And I like those. Those are my picks. I, I have a side thought before closing it out here. Recently, yeah. we did a drive-in movie. The theme being uh, a sequel to a um animal companionship show that we've done once before at Moha and this sequel just me and my animal friend we screened Homeward Bound during which uh, Hmm. we finished the movie and everyone was so excited somebody suggested we watch their original Homeward Bound which is done I didn't know existed that Homeward Bound is a remake and it's done in that style that like the the narrative through line is a like a nature documentary person Huh. Whoa, like a Milo and Otis kind of mm-hmm. vibe. Dang, I did. Did not. you like it? We didn't finish it, but it was <laughs> <laughs> like Homeward Bound plus uh, a Long Road Home. I forget what the name of it. It was a lot to take in. I think I probably would have done Homeward Bound one and two back to back, but the original plus, and it's like kind of holds similar. It's hard to watch an, a movie and then the original of it back to back, I would say. That's like a specific journey you're taking. Yeah. It's mm. like, I want to see the story a story again, but different. Mm. <laughs> well, that sounds like a good wrap up of things. Um, let's cut it off. 
bye. Do we do a? Is there a thing that happens? <laughs> <He's saying bye. laughs> Tanner just turned his lights off. <laughs> He's in darkness. <laughs> Tanner, where'd you go?